On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Platforms. This week on the Indo Daily. I asked her to leave me alone. I felt like she was harassing me and she was insistent that, you know, these were just coincidences. Catherine Martin, she is in favour of scrapping the TV licence and giving money to RT direct from the exchequer. Tanish Michael Martin, dead set against it. No way, not happening. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time a mon irok the yen of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum a machan shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetoch, Ara, Igornamion, on Kestian Echo. Vientolum again omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. This is the Rugby World Cup on the left wing. And welcome to the left wing. Well, we are back in tour. It's the start of week four of the Rugby World Cup. Keen, we're still standing or sitting. We, we are indeed. Um, you know, the TV show, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. I feel like that should apply to tour because, I mean, when we were in Paris at the weekend, there was a noticeable kind of drop in the temperature. Yeah. It's not on the pitch, mind you, uh, but certainly off it. And you come, well, I arrived back to tour last night, Sunday. You had a bit of a nightmare, um, Keen. Yeah, we can surely get into that. But, um, the sun is still splitting yeah. the stones here. It's absolutely amazing. I mean, coming into this late in the year, we'll definitely take it, won't we? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was like that rain on Thursday and Friday mm. bit as well in Paris was, was was not good, but it's lovely back here in tour again. So tell us about, so you came down here. I just arrived the last hour. You decided to come down here last night and Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't great. Um I don't know. I mean, anyone who's listening and who's been in France has probably been affected some way by a train strike or trains not running on time. And I've been in France plenty of times and thankfully had never been sort of affected by it. Um, But hadn't actually heard that the, I think there was an electrical fault on what seems like all the train lines in France, certainly into Paris yesterday. But of course, hadn't heard about it before I rocked up to the station for my train that was supposed to leave at half six. And it was just absolute chaos at the station. There were thousands of people um, at the station. It seemed like the fault had been from earlier in the day. Um, So trains had been delayed. We were waiting around for our train and about half an hour before it left, it just said it was cancelled. So I like, don't know what that actually means for, like, are we allowed to jump on the next train? Was there another train? So trying to fight our way to get to a ticket desk yesterday, which, let me tell you, was not fun and at times quite actually scary. Um, It was just, I can't tell you how many people there were. Um, We actually ended up, um, well, an an Ireland player ended up right behind us um, in the queue who was also supposed to be on the same train back. And it was just chaos in between 
him, myself, and one of our colleagues who were all trying to get back our, between our pigeon French together. We didn't really know what was going on. Thankfully, we eventually got to the top of the queue. Actually, the Ireland player had to duck out of the queue because he had his family with him. And it actually, at times, wasn't really safe. People were getting kind of antsy and trying to push to the top and stuff. So, uh, look, I don't think anything bad happened, but it was just a real sort of eye-opener about what happens when the train line shut down here. But eventually got to the top of the queue and the woman on the ticket desk didn't really speak any English and I've been trying my best over here to speak a um, little bits of French but in an emergency situation which it felt like at the time uh, my pigeon French didn't really get me too far but thankfully there was a guy next to me who was in the same situation um, with his family was supposed to be on the, the same train so he ended up doing a bit of translating for me we got put on the next train but it wasn't until hours later um, and then the guy um, as kind of a, a, a side story to this the guy was like oh you're Irish uh, blah 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 he's like congratulations on the win last night and was genuinely buzzing and happy for for Ireland and it reminded me of being in New Zealand actually last year when we were coming through like security after Ireland had beaten the All Blacks you know people treat it as if like they hear you're Irish and like they want to congratulate you as if you had any part at all to play in the win so um, and I was actually talking to a few supporters who were at the match on Saturday and they were saying that uh, lots of French people were wearing like not necessarily Ireland jerseys but were wearing green at the stadium on Saturday which was which very interesting considering Ireland still could meet France so um, it all just added to the I suppose to feel good nature but um, I was glad to get back to tour when I did even if it meant that I missed uh, most of the rugby and I had to catch up with it this morning because I had planned a nice evening get back watch Scotland Tonga watch Wales Australia but um, as I said as anyone who's been to France knows plans can quickly derail pardon the pun I suppose yeah. Yeah, well, I had a lovely, relaxing evening with my good friend Ruth Gorman of UTV uh, in Paris last night and got just about made the train. Didn't have quite the same chaos as you, uh, but just about made the train down to tour here this morning. So I'm jealous of your nice, relaxing yeah, evening no, in Paris. Nice in hindsight, I should have paid in Paris. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it is lovely to be back on tour again. So obviously, uh, down week this week, I am glad there's a down week. I mean, mm. imagine if Ireland were facing into their fourth pool game against Scotland this weekend as would have happened in other World Cups yeah and like if it, if it was I, I don't think there would have been a huge issue given mm. the sort of the, the lack of an injury toll that's coming that's it seems that's to be coming out like, that bruiser it's remarkable that. we've spoken a lot about the, the conditioning of the players and clearly it's standing to them, but also like it's a lot about is luck isn't it, it is. I mean yeah. Ireland haven't had luck in previous World Cups look touch wood it stays I had there is still time for things to obviously go awry but um, oh, the break couldn't come at a better time yeah. now considering that they won I think if Ireland Imagine, had lost yeah. like that's the a pressure. long two weeks it it's is. a big yeah. two week build up into a winner bus game against Scotland so um the fact the sun is shining and I've already been around. I just came back from a run around, along the river and I know you've been down there running as well. It's such a beautiful spot and I was kind of walking back up through the main spot and I've seen a few of the players and the coaches so are the, around. Yeah, they can leave. They can, but they have yeah. to stay in, in uh, France, the country, yeah. yeah. So yeah. for anyone who's like unsure why they're not going home for a breeder tournament, uh, world rugby regulations uh, mean that uh, they can't leave the country. Yeah, so um, lots of them are coming back to tour. As I said, I, I met one of the players last night and his family uh, I've already seen loads of them around. I'd say they're probably taking advantage of the fact that they probably think loads of loads of the journalists and supporters are gone. But there's a few a few diehards, Sinead, like uh, the two of us still here. But um, the fact the weather is so good now is brilliant because it means they can actually properly get out and explore, which they have been doing in, in tour, to be fair. They've been knocking around the city, whether it's on bikes. I mean, I'm sure everyone's seen that picture of uh, Peter yes. O'Mahony giving Keith Earls a backy on his bike. So um 
they have been getting around, but I think there's a little bit, there's obviously more freedom to do that this week. I think the plan is that they are off until kind of Wednesday. Wednesday yeah. They kind of regroup on Wednesday. They'll do media on Thursday and Friday. And then they might have another day off on Saturday and they kind of come back in on Sunday and start the week as they would any other week. So yeah, like I said, the fact that they won is absolutely huge for so many reasons, but it means that they can actually enjoy the break. I think some of the players um, and coaches are going off to down the coast, down south. I think some of them are going to La Rochelle. It'd be nice to get down there for a few days, wouldn't it? I met um, so many fans who've been to La Rochelle, even in between the matches as well. Yeah, I think some of them stayed on in Paris. I think some of them are going to Disneyland. Uh, we'll have a piece with Jack Crowley tomorrow's paper. He said uh, they're trying to get a pass for Craig Casey to go, to go to Disneyland. <laughs> Craig Casey, unfortunately, well, fortunately, unfortunately, seems to be a bit of the the kind of uh, the butt of the jokes but I mean you can see how you know he runs out to the captain's run like pretending to be a mascot with Johnny Sexton I mean it's all it's all done in good spirits and Jack Crowdy says they're looking for a few OAP passes for a few of the older lads in the squad as well so look the mood is definitely good and like they've earned if ever there was a break that was earned it's after what they achieved on Saturdays and it was just remarkable yeah no it was incredible I mean like still the atmosphere at the game was just unbelievable. Mm. I came back to my hotel. I'm staying near the Boulevard de Cliché. Cliché? Cliché, yeah, that's right. And uh, the amount of Ireland fans along that strip that the Moulin Rouge is on, there's like three Irish pubs there. Hundreds and hundreds. Now, I've never been at a Euros tournament. Um, mm. So to see that was just unbelievable. But I suppose as well, Keen, Zombie really has become such a soundtrack to this World Cup and you were the first to write an article about it a few weeks ago. You picked that up early, Keen. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, I, I did, but I'm I'm glad it kind of has kicked off the the way it has. I mean, it was unreal in Bordeaux the first game, wasn't it? Um, it keeps going up. Yeah, you know, that's it. I mean, that's because the crowds keep getting yeah. bigger. Um, and yeah, it's catching on, and like it, it goes back to when Munster. I mean. Some of the listeners might correct me if I'm wrong, but certainly the first time I remember it being played in kind of a rugby context was at the Aviva last year when Munster lost to Toulouse in the Champions Cup quarterfinal, wasn't it? Um, so I think they played it after extra time. Uh, sorry, after full time leading into extra time. And you can still see yeah. the video. It's on YouTube. Anyone who was there, I'm sure there's loads of listeners who were there. Uh, I was actually over at Welford Road that weekend, so I wasn't there. But... Anyone who was just said it was just an incredible moment. And Munster obviously have grabbed onto that because it gave the team such a lift. And now um, the Munster team run out at Thomas Park to the song. And it's it's incredible. I mean, like, I mean, Cranberries might not be for everyone. I certainly think they're they're a great band, so many great tunes. Um, it really gets it, the players going. And yeah, so... I think Ty Byrne tweeted as well, and just, you know, zombie, and that was what he tweeted after the game. Uh, yeah, last night. it's it, it was played down in South Africa when Munster won the URC as well. That's, um, yeah. And like you think back to what the Limerick Curlers have achieved as well, Sinead, over the last few years, and they've latched on to Dreams and other. Uh, Cranberries classic as well so um, the piece I wrote about a couple of weeks ago and it's up on independent.ie if anyone wants to read it is kind of how Cranberries have become the, the soundtrack of Irish sports and you spoke um, to Barry Murphy I spoke to Barry Murphy yeah. Yeah, like obviously former Ireland Munster Centre who's now in his band Hermitage Green and he gave a great insight to it as well kind of on both sides of the coin so uh, look like I think ironically enough um, the Cranberries aren't the biggest sports fans um, and I've heard I've heard uh, Noel, Noel Hogan, who was part of the Cranberries, kind of like saying it's it's funny how it has taken off. But I mean, it must be so 
like they must be so proud, you know. Unfortunately, Dolores O'Riordan is no longer with us, but as like a proud Limerick band, like they must be must be unreal to see it. I'm sure they'd probably like a few more royalties to to get out of it because I don't know if um, if it works that way. But um, it's been brilliant, and I think. Um, my understanding is that it wasn't necessarily the IRFU who pushed this to be, you know, Ireland's song in any way. It was actually World Rugby. So um, I've only been to one non-Ireland game, just the way it's kind of fallen, which was Wales-Fiji um, the day after Ireland played in Bordeaux. And straight after Wales beat Fiji, they played uh, Dakota by Stereophonics. And most people probably know that song as well, an absolute banger. Cause Give us a bar to remind us. <laughs> no, absolutely not. We'll have to wait for the karaoke bars, all that. That was the 2019 World Cup. Um but that's obviously like Stereophonics, big Welsh band. Um, so that like that goes down so well with, with the Welsh fans. And actually last night I caught the very end of the Wales game, which was just due to all the travel chaos. And I heard them playing it again. So um, I'm not sure what other, if they're doing it across the board, I'm sure they are. I'm not sure what other nation songs are because we just haven't <laughs> been to the game. Thankfully, we didn't get to hear at the weekend what South Africa's song might have been. Um, but it's brilliant. I mean, I think the way they're doing it as well is unreal they're playing the song but they're fading down the chorus which is Bring getting the crowd, the crowd and it's in. just yeah, it's incredible it's proper it spine spine tingling stuff um i wonder will will it ever become a chant you know what yeah. i mean uh, this is something I, I was talking to barry murphy about like rugby crowds tend to kind of sometimes need a little bit of a push um and that's why i think it's so brilliant that they fade down the chorus but part of me wonders if it could in time become a bit like the Fields of Athenroy where the crowd spark up and sing it because it's such a brilliant song and when it reverberates around the stadium it's unreal and I've heard people on the street singing it as well I'm sure there's people back in Dublin in the pubs and Saturday night were probably singing it too so um, it's brilliant oh, I think it it's is. class it is brilliant um, now you watch back over the over the recording of the game again this morning but first um, here, here are the thoughts of Tigburn and Dan Sheen after the game on Saturday night <laughs> Well, Ty, can you sum up how you feel after that? Yeah, I'm obviously ecstatic. Um, goal was to come away with a win. We did it. So uh, we met tough work with it a bit in the second half. Uh, we probably struggled to get out of our, our half a bit. But, um, you know, the, the resilience we showed and the defence I think we showed throughout the game, uh, we'll be pretty pleased with that. Um, you know, they're a big physical side and um, they certainly threw a lot of punches out there. And uh, I think we'd... We did well to, to keep him out, so we'll be we'll be happy with that for sure and uh, delighted with the win. So, Have you ever been part of a contest in which everything was so ferociously contested? Um, I probably have in the past, yeah, sure. Um, you know, when you're in it, you, you don't probably realise how... how uh, how ferocious it is! You're just you're just ne- next moment focused, and uh, you know we did have to fight for everything. Um, they fought back into the into the game in the second half and got a try, and then you know we we did well to get to get back on top as well. So um, you know it was it was a hard fought battle for sure, and um, could have easily went the other way. But um, like I said, we showed we showed a lot of resilience at the end there to to keep them out, and we're we're very pleased with that. The line-out was creaking in the first half, first 20 minutes, maybe four last time. What's the chat on the pitch around that stage when that's going on? Um, okay, like the way South Africa defend are one of the best defensive teams in terms of the line-out. We knew they were going to be good. Um, we had a plan. Um, you know, it just didn't go the way we wanted at the start. So we stuck with the plan and 
um, then we started to it started to come good for us. So uh, you know that sometimes you you win some lineouts that um, you that you had a plan for, and then sometimes you lose them. And you know at the start we lost them, um, but you know we didn't we didn't fold. You know we we stuck with the plan and. Um, that's why we started to win some lineups. Then it feels like such a big win, obviously, in terms of the, the World Cup generally. What was the chat in the dressing room like afterwards? Is it, do you still want to keep yourself a little bit grounded? Yeah, for sure. But it's also, you know, these are moments you have to enjoy as well. Um, you know, this is a this is a huge game, and uh, it's been a lot of focus on this game, uh, especially back home from media and the fans and everyone so uh, we knew how big this game was so it's, it's quite satisfying to get away to get the win and you know we have a few days off so we may as well enjoy the next few days before um, we start to look at Scotland and uh, that's what we're going to do. Dan that was an epic game to watch what was it like to play? Oh, it was a, for a first experience of a World Cup game um, it doesn't get much better I don't think um, especially in a crowd like that it's definitely the best best atmosphere I've played in. Um, you know, to see that many Irish people come over, spend a lot of money uh, coming over and put that much planning into it. Like, I have a lot of friends who've, who've spent a lot of money and were planning this trip for, for years. So we fed off that a good bit. We knew what the Irish people were, were going to be behind us. Um, but that atmosphere is definitely the best I've ever played. What were you most pleased with in the performance? Sandy Farrell specified particularly your mental strength, your ability to cope with things that went against you, whether it was like a ref's call or a bounce or whatever it was. You guys coped pretty well with adversity, I guess. Yeah, you know, we always spoke all week about just trusting. Uh, trust the guy either side of you, but trusting the plan. Um, obviously, there were a few moments there where we were on our own five-meter line and it was looking nervy, but I don't think for a second anyone sort of thought it was going to be any different um, you know we we had a great week's prep the guys who weren't playing made sure that we saw all the pictures we needed to uh, during the week and I think we were we we're definitely ready for the game The job is obviously not done in terms of reaching the, the quarterfinals yeah. but how much pressure does this take off going into that Scotland game? None uh, like you said it's not job's not done um, you know we have the a bit of luxury now that we have two weeks lead up into the Scotland game but um you know, we we can't afford to take the take the foot off the gas at all. Um, the Scotland game is going to be massive, um, so you know I don't think we can get. That's a, obviously a massive win for us, but you know nothing's guaranteed at all. So um, all eyes in Scotland now. Physics wise, would you like to get yourself into that Scotland game? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, I'm my body is perfect now. I had a few few weeks there where you know the medical staff did did a great job to get me back this in in this time, but. I have no complaints at all now, so uh, yeah, I'll be looking to get back in the spot. Was the first thing you did when you came on take a lineup close enough? Uh, uh, possibly. Uh, uh, I, don't well, know. I only ask in the context that they weren't going out of the way to me for a large part, so a bit of pressure when you come off the bench at that time. Yeah, but like, when you come up against a team like South Africa, especially with the pack they have, they're obviously going to upset uh, set pieces. Um, you know, we were ready for that. We prepared for that all week. That you know, we were we knew. Not every lineup was going to go away, so um, you know I think in the first half they they got a few. They we were expecting them to to get a few, um, and then I think we did a good job um, just making sure we stuck to the plan. Like we didn't change anything at halftime. Um, it was just stick to the plan, and uh, you know it, it came right in the end. So what stood out to you? Anything different stand out to you, Keen, when you watch the game back? No, it it just doubled down on like everything that we had spoken about kind of after the match, which was a good thing because I think sometimes when you're at a game 
and the atmosphere is unbelievable. You can kind of get sidetracked by the game and maybe think that the game was better than what you thought. Now, I have to admit, I never got the sense that that was the case with this game. But uh, yeah, I got up early. I could barely sleep on Saturday night, to be yeah, honest with the you. The adrenaline was unbelievable. I just don't know how the players the players do it, um, sleep at night after such a late kickoff. Um, but I was absolutely buzzing when I got up in the morning. Couldn't wait to watch it back. It took me about three hours to watch it back because I was constantly rewinding it, going through it. Just like, did that actually happen? Um, it was just phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, I've been writing about it in today's Irish Independent and it's on independent.ie as well. Just the sheer guts and determination around the, the defence. Um, look, Simon Eastry has done a brilliant job since he's taken over as defence coach since Andy Farrell has become head coach. But um, I thought it had all the hallmarks of an Andy Farrell team. It's like since he's taken over as head coach, we focus a lot on the attack and it's been brilliant but when it comes to cup rugby, and I was making this point um, in the pod after the game, it's all about winning and finding a way to, to get the job done. And I think we sometimes forget that Andy Farrell was one of, if not the best defence coach in the world before he took over. Like that is his specialty. Um, so while I said like Simon Eastby is doing a brilliant job, you can be sure that Andy Farrell has a massive, massive say in the philosophy. And I just thought the way the players put their bodies on the line, whether it was Gary Ringrose cover tackle on Jesse Creel, whether it was Bundyaki's tackle on the line on Jesse Creel, whether it was like James Lowe winning a breakdown penalty, whether it was Josh van der Fleer, Caelan Doris counter-rucking. Like Ian Henderson at the end of the game counter-rucked three Springboks off the ball to win an Irish, like to win a turnover Just for three. Ireland. Just three. Like it was an unbelievable show of strength. And again, like not to be harping on about it, but like so much focus and attention was on South Africa's seven-month split. And like I've just mentioned two of the subs there, Conor Murray and Ian Henderson, who came on and were just unbelievable. And we were making a point all last week, Sinead, that like not, not enough credit is being given to the strength of this Irish bench. So um, they were the kind of things that stood out to me. I also thought... Um, and maybe didn't give it enough, give him enough credit at the time was James Lowe. I know he had that moment, which to me was the iconic moment of the game, like yeah. driving um, Etzebet back. And like Etzebet got taken off straight after yeah. that. Like that was, must have been one of the most humbling moments of his career. I mean, like Rod spoke about it in the podcast afterwards. He was in the mix zone, did not want to talk. Um, I'm just, just a pity no one asked him about James Lowe's tackle, although you'd want to be a brave man to ask him about it. But um, I actually thought... Again, because we focus on a lot of um, a lot about the attack, because that's the kind of that's the sexy stuff, that's the attractive stuff. And James Lowe, like wingers, you want to see them scoring tries. But I thought that was one of, if not the best uh, game that James Lowe has played for Ireland. Um, I thought his defence, like not just that moment, but he won a turnover. I think it was on Colby, was outstanding, and to me has typified the journey that he's been on. Like you think yeah. back to when he made his debut, he got dropped because of his defence. His that Scotland game, yeah. wasn't it? In, his defence defense yeah. is now a strength. Like yeah. he's he's playing, like he's just so much more of a rounded player and there was loads of interventions that he made, like particularly around the breakdown. Again, not stuff that you necessarily see or take note of because you want to see your wingers scoring tries. Uh, his kicking game was very good. So um, I thought he was excellent as well. Yeah, and I suppose one of the things that stands out from the fact that they beat the defence World Cup champions is how much Ireland also can improve mm. the lineouts. I mean, head in hands time when they were losing those lineouts in the opening twelve minutes. So what what exactly went wrong there? Because I know they were asked about it in the press conference afterwards, and I think what did Johnny say? Was it the calls? And, and then obviously uh, James Ryan came off and Henderson came on, and 
And when Peter Mahoney did settle the lineup then as well, what could what what was your reading of what exactly went wrong there? I think you have to give a lot of credit to South Africa. Um, oh, the pressure they like, put. The yeah. pressure that they put on. I mean, Peter Steph Dutoy is basically another lock. Like, and he won so many balls. So, I mean, you can imagine when Roland Keller is standing down the line, as in looking down the line at the height of the Springbok players. Like, it is very tough. Now, it should be better. I'm not giving him a free pass by any means. But like, as we know, like there are so many things that do go into the line out. Like Johnny Sexton touched on the calls. There is an element of the throw. There were a couple of overthrows. There was a crooked throw. Um, there's the lifts. There's the timing of it. And when you know you're up against a line out defense, like that you are going to be under severe pressure so look it is a concern we thought it like it was a concern against Romania and when Romania are kind of causing you trouble at the line well like, in the warm up from the warm ups yeah, as well exactly, Keen, we, yeah. were, we were talking but about they, yeah. it was much better against Tonga but again you saw what Scotland did to Tonga like you're reluctant to maybe read too much into that look I think the fact that Dan Sheehan is back um, it wasn't a coincidence I think that the line out shored up uh, when he came on I would fully expect that in the Scotland game in two weeks that he's going to be starting um, that's no disservice to, to Ronan Keller who I thought was outstanding in the in the game against Romania and like he really set the tone early on with that thumping hit on Damien Wilhelmse off the kickoff so Keller had did lots of stuff well he'll still have a big big role to play um, but yeah like Ireland have a few callers in their system James Ryan is the main caller uh, Ian Henderson would be the, the second main caller but Tyke Byrne has started calling line that's Peter O'Mahony obviously as well so um there's a lot of IP there when you consider Paul O'Connell is there as well. So um, I'd say, you know, the coaches are taking a few days off, but I'd imagine someone like Paul O'Connell is going to be like deep in his laptop, like trying to get this right. Because one of the most encouraging aspects about it was that, okay, the lineout wasn't great. It was better in the second half, but Ireland still found a way to get it done. And yep. that's been a hallmark of this Andy Farrell team. It was a bit like, you know, when everything was going wrong in Murrayfield in the Six Nations earlier year, this year, they still found a way to get it done. So they got away with it this time. But come the knockout stages, even against Scotland, can't really afford to be coughing up possession like that. Yeah, no, absolutely not. I know we will have loads of time to talk. Oh my goodness, watch the bumblebee. Okay, <laughs> it's gone. Um, so just, just would you? what kind of changes do you imagine they'll make against Scotland? Obviously two weeks now, so Scotland play Romania this weekend. They now know what they've got to do, um, you know, going into the Ireland game. So they need to obviously get, is it, it is Romania, isn't it? Yeah. They play Romania, they need that bonus point. South Africa win. will play Tonga. South Africa will play Tonga. So changes in the Ireland team just from this remove, Keane, what do you... Yeah, like we're so far out that like a lock can change in terms of like fitness and injuries. And we um, hopefully it will have Jack Conan. Yeah, we'll like so let's take it that all 33 players are fit, which they are as far as we know now. Um, I wouldn't be changing too much, Nate. I have to say, um, I would if Jack Conan is fit, I would certainly be starting Jack Conan. But that would be on the basis that he's able to train from this week into next week with a full week, which... He clearly hasn't done. I mean, they've been telling us he's been fit and he's been that. So he would need to have at least a full week's training under his belt. And I think Caelan Doris would be due a well-deserved break. You could easily have Caelan Doris on the bench. A fit Jack Conan against Scotland doesn't necessarily weaken your hand. You think back to how well Conan played when he came on at Murrayfield right. when Caelan Doris got injured. So um, he badly needs a game. And like you can imagine if Ireland Reds get him up to speed before a potential quarterfinal, that would be huge. That adds to the bench strength as well. So... I'd be very tempted to get Jack Conan in there if fit. I think Dan Sheehan is almost certain to come in and start with Ronan Keller on the bench again. He needs the game time. He looked very good uh, when he came on at the weekend, as we've discussed, but he would need a start. Um, 
Other than that, I think there could be an argument for Robbie Henshaw, for Bundyaki, purely just to, to rest Bundyaki for all the, the work that he's, he's put in. He's just been absolutely He's been phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. And like, like I think I touched on this at the weekend, I mean, it's not just against Romania and Tonga. I mean, he went up against Damien Dialende, who's one of the best 12s in the world and definitely edged that battle, even though Damien Dialende played game, really yeah, well as well. Um, but I would have no problem with Bundyaki starting as well. I'm just saying that, Robbie Henshaw doesn't necessarily weaken the team. He could do with the game time as well. Uh, I suppose like Gary Ringrose took a fair bit of punishment in that match. Possibly Ringrose or Henshaw could play 13. But other than that, I don't think I'd be going changing too much. I mean, I, we just heard from Tyg Byrne there. He's played every minute of Ireland's campaign so far in an attritional position. And now I know he missed a lot of rugby this season with the injury that he picked up in the Six Nations. But maybe they'll look at that. But then again, when guys are in form... I like the approach. I know the, like we talked about a lot around the Tonga game, should they have made changes, but I kind of like the approach where like the mo- they have momentum yeah. now, like just like double down, let, like kind of keep it going. So I wouldn't expect we'll see many changes. I know there will there be a temptation to try and get Stuart McCloskey and Jimmy O'Brien game time because if they don't feature in this... Barring, get them on the bench. Yeah, barring injuries in the knockout stages, they're unlikely to feature, which would be very tough, very tough for them. But I don't think Andy Farrell is going to be sentimental about it either. You know what this I mean? This is not a place for sentiment. No, exactly. So um, that would be tough for them though because Stuart McCloskey certainly played his part over the last year. Jimmy O'Brien did as well. You think back to the South Africa game in November. So for their sake, you would hope that they get game time, but it could be difficult unless there's a couple of injuries. Yeah, for sure. Um, anything else stand out for you from the weekend, from the other games before we... Yeah, I suppose Eddie Jones and oh. Australia, the, the sinking ship is sinking further. Um, if that's possible. Look, the, the Wallabies are at rock bottom, aren't they? Um, they were absolutely shocking. As I said, I kind of missed, I was hoping to catch the game in tour when we got back last night, but all the chaos meant I missed it. But I caught up with it this morning and they were just awful. I mean, it's sad. It's sad to see an Australian team. It's not good. It's not good for world rugby. It's not good for some like New Zealand rugby who are like in the the rugby championship with them you need your top teams to be as competitive as possible and they have gone backwards at a rate of knots under under Eddie Jones I mean think back to November when the Wallabies played Ireland in yeah, in November and they like Ireland needed a Ross Byrne uh, kick at the end of the game to beat them and Dave Rennie was pretty they hard done they should never by. have got rid of him See, like, I don't think I, even at the time I, I did not feel it was the right decision it became in vogue when when Rassi and Razzy Rasmus and Jack Nienarber got the job so late in the 2019 cycle and ended up winning the World Cup. I think it almost became in vogue a little bit because obviously we saw Wales do the same thing. And it's worked for Wales, you'd have to say, but a little bit of a different situation. Um, But it just hasn't worked. Eddie Jones has been linked, strongly linked, you'd have to say, to a a move to Japan. I mean, it's just not a good look for for anyone. So they were really poor, I suppose, on the flip side. Absolutely, let's give credit to To Wales. Wales. Like I said, I was at that... um, Wales Fiji game and like I made this point with you guys as well that Wales didn't get enough credit they deserve we've seen that Fiji are are, are a good team still don't think uh, Wales are world beaters by any means and I think like obviously they've been benefited by being in the softer half of the draw but 
I mean, they're, they're saving those World Cups, though. He does, yeah. And they do have a strong a strong 15. I think depth is their issue. But um, you look at that side of the draw, and I know we've spoken so much about it, but it just doubles down on how totally lopsided it is when you look at some of the quality of the teams that are going to get to the quarterfinals. So Wales deserve huge credit. Gareth Anscombe came off the bench, did really well. I think Wales are sweating over Dan Bigger. He's going to be really important, I think, if when they get to the knockout stages, he is their Johnny Sexton. He's the heartbeat of the team. But you consider all the the injury hell that Anscombe like his career was hanging in the balance uh, over the last couple of years so from a personal perspective it was great our human level it was great to see him back as well um, the Scotland Tonga game was a bit of a turkey shoot again um, look that was like when Scotland are playing against a passive defence like that, they look brilliant because Finn Russell has time in the ball and their back line is electric. They've made so many improvements, but Tonga have been so poor. I mean, they were really poor. It is disappointing. Our, yeah, really disappointing. More from them, yeah. Like, I kind of understood why they were poor against Ireland. It was their first kind of game together, long, long time playing tier one opposition. But I was hoping that they'd be a bit like Fiji in that after having that game together, even though Fiji have played kind of better quality opposition over the last while. But I thought a game under their belt, they might be a little bit more cohesive, but they were indisciplined, like a couple of really rash tackles um, and they were poor. They made Scotland look very good. So I suppose no different that we didn't read a huge amount into the Ireland Tonga game. I wouldn't read a huge amount into the Scotland Tonga game either. Um, I don't think Scotland will either. I thought the comments from Gregor Townsend were interesting afterwards. They were, he was a bit prickly about kind of the narrative around, you know, Ireland already in a quarter final and they're going to be playing New Zealand. So the siege mentality is clearly already building in the Scottish camp and and why wouldn't it? So they have to go play um, Romania, Romania this weekend who have been absolutely awful. So that, that's a guaranteed five points. So they'll have a pep in their step going into the Scotland game or going into the Ireland game in Paris in a couple of weeks. But the week's break, like we've discussed, like that's going to be really important for Ireland as well. So um, it was a great weekend. Important for us weekend. all, Keen. Important, important for, for us all. all. Except, except there's never a day off at the World <laughs> no, Cup today as, as proves that we're still sitting here doing podcasts and videos and that. So Okay, lovely stuff, Keen. Uh, thanks for that. Well, Will and Luke will be back with another Left Wing podcast uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, and we'll be back again on Wednesday. Thanks for watching and listening. Listen and follow The Left Wing wherever you get your podcasts.